Oath Hermes podcast. Welcome to the world of the Western esoteric tradition. Friends and listeners, welcome to episode number four of the Thoth Hermes podcast season three. Today is July 21st, 2019. My name is Rudolf and I am very happy to have you with me as your host. I'm really glad that it seems that I have overcome most of my time problems in producing this podcast and that I am now able to produce episodes in a more regular way again. I can also see by numbers of listeners that you really seem to appreciate that regularity as well. But I also want particularly to thank all of you who have stayed with the Thoth Hermes podcast during those times when episodes were rather rare. And... I want to thank particularly my Facebook friend Wolfgang again, who, as I had mentioned earlier, has offered me help with editing the interviews. This makes an enormous difference for me, and it also makes it possible that beyond those regular episodes bi-weekly, I will now be issuing the already announced Thoth Hermes Ex Libris episodes once a month. So watch out. If all goes well, you will be able to retrieve the first Ex Libris episode in about a week or so. For those who have not yet heard about this new format, this will be a show of about one hour, presenting each time four books or events with an in-depth presentation or review. All of you who are subscribed already to the newsletter will of course automatically be informed about the release of that first Ex Libris episode. So it might be a good moment to go onto the website www.thoshermes.com that is T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S.com and register for that newsletter. And while you're there, why don't you leave me some feedback, either through voicemail or by using the contact form provided on the website. Of course, as always, you can also get in touch through Facebook or Twitter, or leave me an email at info at You can find the Thoth Hermes podcast also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Speaker, Spotify, Android, Google, and on many, many other podcast outlets. And don't forget that we are now also present on YouTube with an audio version of those episodes. But now it is time to present our sponsor, Anathema Publishing. Anathema Publishing Limited 
quality occult books and contemporary esoterica. Established in 2011, Anathema Publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a triune relationship between publisher, author and reader. Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism, traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian philosophy. www.anathemapublishing.com It is also a great pleasure for me to tell you that Thoth Hermes is now an official media partner of Black Flame Montreal. Black Flame Montreal is an international esoteric conference taking place from October 11 to 13 this year. We are going to consecrate an entire special episode beyond the regular shows presenting this conference some of the speakers and also the organizers. After the conference, we will bring an extra report on the happenings there. And if all goes well, we will bring you one or two live events from the conference itself. The latter still depends on some technical issues we still need to resolve. So I'm not able to promise that yet, but the conference organizers and myself we are working hard to make that possible. So, friends and listeners, today's guest in this episode is the wonderful Bernard Alvarez. Some of you call him also just Bernard. But before I will present him to you, I will play a piece of music. You know me, it's hard for me not to play music for you on those shows. And I thought it would be an excellent idea to present to you today some tracks from the new album by somebody who has accompanied this podcast for some time by offering it a title and outro music. The regulars here know who I'm talking about. Wendy Rule. Yes, in February she issued her newest album called Persephone, and the first track that I would like to play for you now is called Flowers. Enjoy! Scented is the meadow, pet 
petals that are fragrant with wonder I could dance forever Lost within the spell I am under Oh, the field is calling my name Can you hear it? Oh, can you hear it? Oh, the earth is calling my name from her newest album, Persephone. Here comes the interview. I have been following Bernard Alvarez on the internet for quite some time. I always enjoyed his video presentations on YouTube about all kinds of magical and occult subjects. What always struck me was his really broad and at the same time in-depth knowledge of the matter. If he talks to you about witchcraft or Aleister Crowley, about the Golden Dawn or about activism, he always really knows what he is talking about in a way that makes it clear that his knowledge is not only theoretical. What I did not know before I did this interview with him was that the YouTube personality that Bernard is has been active since the very first days of that media, actually. And it was a wonderful meeting I had with Bernard to do this interview. I think you will be able to hear that. It was the most joyous and at the same time very deep meeting and talk. Bernard is an extremely open-minded person and his message is clear. We live in a time where integrity, leadership and spirituality are needed. And we better become that example ourselves. So it is now high time that you can listen for yourself to Bernard. Here we go. 
I am extremely happy today to welcome somebody very special on this Thought Hermes podcast and somebody I would have liked to speak for a long time already, Bernard Alvarez. Hi, Bernard. It's so lovely to have you with us. Bernard, you call yourself on your website a spiritual coach, metaphysician, sacred activist. So we have lots of, of things to talk about on this podcast. Yes. Greetings to you. Thank you for giving us the time. And it's a pleasure to be here, Rudolph. I know we've talked about doing this for quite a while. It's nice to finally be here and spend time with you today. Oh, definitely. Thanks for having been so patient with me. <laughs> um, you are a real YouTube personality, Bernard. So I gather many people uh, who are on this podcast have already heard about you at least or seen shows of yours, read the book, maybe we come into that a bit later. You just told me that 40% of your audience on YouTube are actually European, which I think is very interesting because, because of course, this is a European podcast and I'm happy to have you also for that reason with me today. Um, but I think it would be nice anyway, if you were willing to tell the audience a little bit about yourself, um, about your background and especially what brought you to be and to do what you are today and what you what made you the person that you are today and the well the activist also that you are today a lot of mistakes made me who i am today <laughs> good answer <laughs> but um seriously um I, I grew up in Miami, Florida. I am uh, half Native American, half Irish, and I was adopted by a Cuban family as a Cuban mother and a Hispanic father uh, mm -hmm. who was raised in Spain. So I had a very interesting cultural upbringing growing up in Miami, Florida, with um, especially within Uh, the metaphysical and or the occult. I was surrounded about around with the Caribbean flavors of the occult, uh, Santeria, voodoo, and all everything else that comes along with, uh, uh, you know, the Haitian, Cuban, and Puerto Rican uh, society down there. So uh, met some of the members of my family were involved in Santeria. So I was always very curious about it. Now, my family was a very devout Catholic and I, of course, went through all the rigmarole of going through confirmation and catechism and all of that stuff. And I loved the I loved the uh, the mass. I loved the mm -hmm. ritual of it. I love the incense. I love the candles. And mm -hmm. from an early age, I was experiencing uh, a lot of what people would call paranormal experiences. And I kind of like put them together and realized there's some kind of witchy stuff going on here. And so immediately when I was old enough to read and get a library card, I would you would find me in the occult section of the <laughs> local public library, uh, much to the not to the liking of my mother, specifically, at least uh, my mother's side of the family. <laughs> <laughs> right. She was the Catholic side of the family. Yeah, her family right. were very, very devout. And then they converted to Pentecostal, which is even oh, more. Which is um, even more. Yeah. Yeah. Extreme. To those things. Yes. Extreme. Yeah. 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 But um, so I, I, you know, growing up and moving into adolescence, I started putting together the, the paranormal experiences. For example, uh, I would have visions in my dreams of uh, I would have prophetic visions and I would see things before they happen. And I would tell my mother and she would be like, oh, don't tell your father, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> or, don't tell anybody. Don't tell <laughs> How I would, would you, where you then? 
What's that? How old were you then when that happened? Uh, well, it time? started easily when I was seven to eight or nine years old. Oh, right. Yeah, early, things, yeah, yeah. things like that would happen. Uh, again, seeing spirits and whatnot, uh, moving through my room, floating over my bed. And um, I exact, actually, I had the ability to read the regular deck of playing cards. And I would read them like a tarot deck. Easily at the age of uh, eight or nine years old, and it just came naturally. Mm -hmm. uh, now, looking back, everyone's like, oh, well, you remembered that from a past life. You've always known how to read the tarot. And I wish I still remembered how to read the, uh, the regular playing cards. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, as, as those of us who study this type of work, uh, as we get older, we seem to forget all the wisdom and knowledge we carried with us yeah. into this particular lifetime. So I took it upon myself to go ahead and self-study uh, witchcraft. And uh, I didn't know it at the time. I had never heard of Wicca or uh, paganism or anything like that. I grew up with Catholicism and uh, Santeria and Voodoo, and that was all I really knew. And I went on the back of a... Uh, I don't know if you guys have it in Europe, the National Enquirer. It's one of those rags, like, uh, um, yeah, yeah, you know, one of those, about like, it. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. They, they were awful. And uh, my mother used to get it, you know, to read all the articles about the stars and whatnot. And in the back, there was an ad of how to learn witchcraft. So learn witchcraft. And I sent them my money. I got the book and I started reading it and started uh -huh. practicing all of the uh, the exercises in there. And, you know, being 13 years old, I thought I knew everything and decided <laughs> I'm going to start a coven. You know, I laugh at you looking back now. So I got involved with a bunch of other kids that were involved, uh, that were interested in the occult. And basically, we were more of a, a study group. And we just, you know, would read witchcraft books in the graveyard at midnight and thought we were witches. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> And um, but then things even more paranormal things started happening. And it took me I won't say it took me down a dark path, but it exposed me to a lot of dark. Uh, and when I say dark, I, again, it's all relative of, of what you what you would consider dark. But let's just say very uncomfortable and traumatic mm -hmm. uh, energy and visions and things that I did not want to be around. Uh, some of the uh, the young people I was hanging around with got involved with uh, a local satanic group. Mm. Uh, and I don't even know if you want to call it satanic. I don't know if they were demonic or black magic. I didn't know the correct terminology of what that group was, but yeah. uh, we would actually go harass them in the woods and <laughs> <laughs> run into their rituals and have them chase us out of the woods and whatnot. And <laughs> they were doing things like animal sacrifice. And, and we had later learned uh, that uh, there was some, a lot of criminal activity going on. Right. <clears throat> they had painted uh, all these demonic faces uh, on the tree stumps and the tree, uh, the trees around them. And, and again, it's all relative what you consider dark or light, but to a 14-year-old, that's some scary stuff. I'm um, sure it is, yeah. Yes, yes. And um, so uh, as, as my life progressed uh, spiritually and whatnot, I, uh, again, uh, I started seeing dark visions. I, I had an instance where I saw the friend that I had mentioned uh, who got involved with the satanic group. Uh, I had a vision. Uh, well, I was in my bedroom uh, late at night in, in North Miami Beach, and uh, my house, my room was in the back of the house, and my parents was literally 
diagonal. We had a fairly large house for South Florida, you know, it's very expensive. Mm. But for us, a four bedroom sure. house with a pool is kind of big down there. Yeah. And uh, I would I had to go use the restroom and I was scared to go to the bathroom because <laughs> I had this impending feeling of darkness. Mm-hmm. And so I would have to walk through the uh, down there. We have what we call a Florida room. I would have to walk through the Florida room, through the dining room, through the kitchen, through the hallway, all the way to get to the bathroom. And this entire time moving through this dark house, I had this impending feeling uh, mm-hmm. of something awful was going to happen. And as I opened the uh, bathroom door and turned the light on, the bathroom curtain flew up. And there standing before me was an image of Baphomet uh, with uh, sitting upon my friend. And that's what I saw. And he was uh, being like, uh, suffocated by Baphomet sitting on uh-huh. top of him, and he was looking at me, uh, asking for help, or just had this fear, this grimace mm-hmm. on his face that he was like being uh, again suffocated by this image. Uh, and again, moving forward now, having the knowledge of Baphomet again, is it positive? Is it negative? It depends how you how you sure. approach the image. Yeah. But for me, as a 15 year old, it was a very scary image to see. Mm-hmm. So I decided I was going to become a born again Christian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it sounded like the easier way at that time. <laughs> yeah, at, the, at that point, I was like, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And uh, sure. I got very involved in uh, back going. I didn't say born again. I didn't mean born again, but a born again Catholic. Yeah. Started going back to church again and all of that stuff. And mm. uh during the late teens, of course, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know how it is in Europe, but it, especially in Miami, Florida, growing up during the 80s, we experimented with a lot of different types of mind altering substances. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got a little I became a party boy and decided, you know, I want to clean up my act and decided to go into recovery. And it was in recovery that I had met my first Wiccan. And they exposed me to the concept of Wicca and what it was. And I went to a bookstore. I picked up Scott Cunningham's Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. Mm-hmm. This was back in 1991, I want to say, 90 or 91. Rather a new book at that time, wasn't it? Yes, yes. It was mm-hmm. fairly new. And mm-hmm. he was still alive, actually. Yeah. And when I read his philosophy, the idea of uh, of focusing primarily on the goddess and the idea of a moon goddess and worshiping and aligning yourself with the cycles of of the lunar calendar of the solar calendar and performing rituals and magic uh not only to align yourself and awaken your align your spirit with those cycles but to you know have the ability to create change through will uh, was very mm-hmm. fascinating to me, and and it rang true to me. I aligned with it. I felt it. I ate it up. Uh, of course, I went on reading uh, just about every other book that was out there. Buckland, uh, yeah. uh, you know, drawing down the moon. Margot Adler, uh, Alistair Crowley, <laughs> uh, Dion Fortune, uh, everybody right. and everything I could. I absorbed that that information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I was living in. Um, Clearwater, Florida, which is uh, a suburb of Tampa, St. Petersburg, on the uh, Gulf Coast of Florida. Right. And um, I was living in a a small two-bedroom cottage close to uh, the Gulf of Mexico. And I had just gotten a new landlord. But at that point, I had already begun to develop my, my pagan community, or back then my Wiccan community. 
and we did uh, we did uh, create a uh, a coven of sorts, and one of the bedrooms was turned into an altar room. Uh, it had black tile, uh, you know, black curtains. And yeah. we, were, we went the route of the Egyptian traditions with the rectangular altar and images of Isis and Osiris and Horus and all that okay. all over the walls. And um, so we ended up getting this new landlord. Well, in Florida, it rains a lot and we get a lot of hurricanes. Mm. And unfortunately, the old wooden cottage I was living in sprang a leak and the back bedroom became flooded. And I came home one day to see that someone had rearranged the altar room and started pulling up the tiles. And I was like, oh, great. The new landlord knows we're practicing witchcraft in that room now. <laughs> and again, this is 92, 93. It wasn't so public. Uh, yeah. You know, we were still being told, you know, keep it in the broom closet. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came around one day to collect the rent. He was like, oh, interesting room you have back there. I was like, oh, oh yeah, uh, we dabble in new age philosophy, I told him. I didn't tell him anything. He's like, he, he kind of laughed at me. He said, you're Native American, aren't you? And I was like, well, I'm half Native American. He's like, well, uh, I'm a shamanic practitioner. I was like, okay. oh, really? <laughs> He's like, I would love to teach you. Uh, and I have a wonderful library over at our place. You're welcome to it. And uh if you ever want to come over to the to the main office and just talk about shamanism and magic, I'll be happy to talk to you. And uh, we developed a little bit of a, of a friendship. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the first things he asked me to do was to uh, write an essay on the difference between uh, what was the word he used? Uh, spiritual or shamanic experience. I want to say the word, I think the word he used was a, a shamanic experience versus a schizophrenic episode. <laughs> In other words, well, but it's, it's a nice, a nice distinction, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes. And as I went on to study it, you know, a, a lot of times in the Native American communities, when someone was having some type of psychological breakdown, they mm -hmm. would train them in the path of a shaman. And, and that was par for the course of having like yeah. a psychotic break in order to become, uh, to be initiated into the shamanic practice. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I read all the, uh, he had me read all the books, you know, The Way of the Shaman by Mar Michael Harner. And of course, I read a lot of the academic studies and whatnot that I could find in, in the library, of course, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. the local public library. And uh, it came to the point where I was, um, I started reintroducing myself to um, hallucinogenics and psychedelics because of the shamanic practices. Sure. And I was like, well, let me dabble a little bit. And I told him, I want to do a shamanic vision quest. I, I really want to do it. I've been reading about it and I'm, I feel I'm ready, you know, to connect with my higher self and connect with my spirit guides. Mm -hmm. And uh, my partner at the time who was living with me uh, was interested in doing it with me, even though I believe he just wanted to have a, a really good psychedelic experience. But mm -hmm. I was like, he was like, yeah, I'll go for it. Go for it. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll go through the steps. <laughs> right. And um, so we did. And uh, I, I go into great detail of that in, in my book, the book of in Wong, the beginning uh, of the book. Right. In the, in yes. I go through a great detail. And yeah. it was at that point uh, where I went through that whole shamanic vision quest that I met my guides. Now, I don't know if I talk about this in the book, but 
the day after or the day after the day after, because to me, that was a two days of just being awake on this medicine and not really noticing. But after I mm -hmm. went to sleep and got up the next two mornings after I walked out the back door and uh, something is fluttering around my head. And I'm like, is this, you know, is this the medicine not wore off yet? And, mm -hmm. and it wasn't. It was a monarch butterfly. And I was like, let me try something. And I put my hand up and the monarch butterfly just landed right on my on my finger. And I was I, was, I felt like Snow White and, you know, in a Disney movie. <laughs> like, oh, my God, a butterfly is landing in my hand. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this is so significant was because I had seen butterflies uh, during my experience. And I don't know if I put that in the book, but I spoke to the, the shamanic practitioner that I was working with and he said that's one of your power animals he's right. like I could have I could have told you that you're going through a metamorphosis that butterfly is here to to guide you through the process mm -hmm. of the spiritual metamorphosis so I was like well thank you for that um, mm -hmm. but after that experience I just I kept writing notes I started writing notes during the shamanic vision quest uh, just automatic writing and right. for about a week after just they kept talking to me, the guides that I had met yeah. during the experience just kept talking to me and I kept writing. But I will say as a young man, 24, 25, when it happened, I went through what some would call psychic whiplash. Uh, I wasn't prepared uh, psychologically. I might have right. been prepared physically. I might have been prepared spiritually. But I went through what they through that psychotic break for in, uh, for lack of a better term, I wasn't. I didn't know how to handle or live with the greater truth that I had experienced in the world, the day-to-day -day world that I was living in. No one prepared me for that part. Right. Uh, I was a, I don't want to say famous, but I was a semi-celebrity person in the fashion world down there. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I was a hairstylist and uh, I worked in a lot of the photo shoots for all the models and everything down on South Beach and the same mm -hmm. thing. And campus, so I was in the fashion world, and that's a very different world yeah. than the spiritual world. And yes, you know, here I was, a 24-year-old with all this money, and you know, all of a sudden, I realized you're an egocentric sob. You're, you know, you're you're shallow. You're materialistic, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing everything wrong. I can't live like this anymore. You know, <laughs> I still have to go to work the next day and, and make believe I earn money exactly. Doing. <laughs> so I, I struggled for. I would say I struggled for a good decade or so after that, and uh, mm. it wasn't until. Uh, I would say 9-11 was a big moment for me. Uh, that, mm -hmm. to me, was a big uh, psychic, a psychotic break for the earth itself. Uh, I mm -hmm. felt it very, yeah. very heavily. Yeah. Uh, now, mind you, I went ahead and I continued, I continued teaching and teaching classes about witchcraft and shamanism and meditation and all that kind of stuff in the meantime. But um, it wasn't until... Uh, that whole 2000 thing that I realized uh, this is getting very serious. I mean, the 9-11 situation and the world was getting serious. Yeah. And it's not just me anymore. Now it's the whole world. Now the whole world just went through a psychotic break and 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 some kind of spiritual fracture just happened here. And I could sense the I don't want to get too uh, new agey, but this is like dark energy just covering the planet uh, after mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. and uh so shortly after that you know youtube came along and right. as youtube came along here we go we have um 
an ability for me to talk to people and uh, meet people and whatnot. So I had I decided, well, I'm going to start uh, my own podcast. At that point, it was on Skype. I used to have something called Skypecast. <laughs> uh, we, uh, me and my friend who was a, uh, she was also a shamanic practitioner and she was also an activist. I, I, by the way, I know I, I didn't say much about it, but I was an activist throughout this whole time with Greenpeace mm-hmm. and, and actually the libertarian movement back in the yeah. day. And, um, but uh, we did, a, we did a, a talk on chemtrails. We had noticed, I had started noticing the grids in the sky and we did a talk mm-hmm. on chemtrails. All of a sudden I started becoming very popular. Back then it was MySpace. That's how <laughs> yeah, long ago it was. Yeah. <laughs> so it was MySpace and Skypecast. And um, I ended up moving on to Blog Talk Radio. And uh, I had met a woman uh, who had offered to transcribe my book. And she was like, you have to put your message out there. So she transcribed my book. We put the book out. Mm-hmm. Uh, my guides started speaking more and more and more. And uh, Hurricane Wilma had happened in South Florida and I had mm-hmm. lost everything. I had built myself up, you know, to the top of the chain, food chain, got myself a salon mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. all that stuff and lost everything after the hurricane. I said, you know what? Uh, this, is the op- this is the universe saying now you've got to focus on this stuff. You need mm-hmm. to focus on this work. Mm-hmm. You've been practicing magic for, you know, at that point, what, 20 years or whatnot. Uh, you've written your book. It's time to share this information with the world. Sure and it wasn't that. until uh, a witch, a gardenerian witch on you, was it YouTube or MySpace? I had put out a video about witchcraft or something. And she was like, you're not supposed to be sharing this information. This is a secret. <laughs> I said, you know what? Now I'm going to share more because everyone needs to know this information. This is a technology. This is not magic and woo-woo new age stuff. Yeah. This is a, a a spiritual technology that the world is in need of now. Mm-hmm. And that is what really uh, thrust me in, into the uh, into the world of YouTube. And my activism is actually what thrust me into the spotlight. I had... Um, I went through some uh, corruption stuff, uh, exposing corruption videos, mm-hmm. and Sky News picked it up, of all things. Oh, wow. Sky News picked it up, and the next thing you know, I was the number three partner channel on YouTube back in 2007 or something wow. like that. Yeah. And, you know, back then we had maybe a thousand partners. Now we have a hundred thousand or a million <laughs> partners. So now I'm probably 1000, but I was number three for a few years. Wow. And uh, that kind of uh, built my audience. And of course sure. we made the trends. We, we moved over to Facebook from MySpace and um, anonymous picked me up. They liked what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started posting me. I ended up on the front page of Reddit. And uh, a couple months later, we went from 15,000, followers on Facebook to 300,000 followers. And uh, that kind of just like, so thank you, Anonymous, for supporting my work. And, <laughs> the ceiling, yeah. And thank you to that gardenerian witch who told me not to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. It's always the two sides of the, of, uh, the two faces of the coin. I wasn't aware that you that you were that early already out on, on YouTube. So thanks for sharing that with us because it's a fascinating story. Yeah, what, what, right? what always... Um, in, well, I thought it was fascinating when I see your website or watch your videos, the, the 
broadness of your not only knowledge but also you go really in depth into those different kinds of, like, of things like shamanism or even Crowley you know you, you pick up his cor corner phrase of thalamic uh, um, magic and you, you talk about it for an hour uh, you do all kinds of, of, of magical occult details so to speak and you seem to be at home in all of them and that is a rather rare situation to find and I mean not just touching on it on the surface but you really go in depth with all of them and um, um, now her hearing your background and your biography of course that that explains a lot but um, does how is it for yourself do you really feel at home in most of those um, areas is it just very normal for you or are there some areas which you feel happier to talk about than others what do you have specialities or are you are you the the renaissance man of the 21st century in that in that respect um to begin the answer uh i i was very lucky in that i went through the initiations through many of those uh practices uh, again mm -hmm. having a harmonic teacher was wonderful Uh, having a group where we went through the entire, uh, not entire, let's say we went through most of the Golden Dawn initiations. Mm -hmm. So I was very, uh, very comfortable with that. Literally yeah. being approached by the Freemasons, which I thought was very interesting. I didn't think yeah. they asked people, but I've been approached by them. I was approached by um, the OTO mm -hmm. and uh, did some studying with them. Uh, I was a part of uh, several Wiccan covens. I And uh, eventually, I just wanted to drop all of the, how shall we say, the, um, the titles. Uh, I, I was called the king of witches for a while. I was called uh, this degree and that degree and a, a Reiki master and this and that. And that's where the term just Bernard came from. I was like, I, I'm just Bernard. <laughs> I, everyone's like, oh, don't say you're just Bernard. I'm like, it's my way of dropping all the titles. Yeah. I, <laughs> it was like, oh, he's a, he's a fifth degree, you know, this and that, or he's a 20th degree, this and that, or yeah. he's a writing master. Or, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I whatever. Uh, I, I'm just Bernard, but, uh, am I comfortable in that? I'm, I'm comfortable in all of them, I will say. And, that's and, great. I mean, I can't say, you know, what do they say? A, uh, uh, a, I forgot what this, a jack of all trades, but master of none. But <laughs> well, no, 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 but th that's exactly what I meant with not being superficial in the things you're talking about, you know? It, right. I, I feel right. very, I feel very comfortable in all of them. I, I can't say that um, I'm a scholar in any of those, but mm -hmm. uh, you can put me in a room with anybody who practices any of those and, I'm sure we can hold a conversation and or perform ceremony or ritual something. together. Yeah, yeah. That's it. So ritual, uh, you talked about the mass at your very young age and all of yeah. that. So ritual and performing ritual seems to be very important to you, right? Very much so. Very yeah. much so. I yeah. find the ritual is the core of my practice. Mm -hmm. uh, I firmly believe that for me, for my practice, the ritual Uh, is symbolic of altering your state of consciousness. And I sure. you know, developed that through my practice of shamanism and not mm -hmm. wanting to take psychedelics every time I want to connect with the divine. Yeah. Uh, but I find the ritual is, uh, it's, uh, for me, it represents a spiral. You know, you're starting off at the outside, you go into the middle where you connect with the divine, and then you reverse the spiral and you return back to daily waking consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. And 
if you've ever watched me perform ritual on YouTube, I try to do interactive ritual on YouTube. Yeah, yeah I, it's, I saw it's that. It's very similar. It's let's alter our state of consciousness. Let's sure. connect all the energy. Let's balance everything. Yeah. Let's do our work, our magic, and then let's spiral back out yeah. and come back to daily no, waking. But Bernard, I don't want to flatter you, but I. I mean, I'm a, I'm a practitioner of several kinds myself, and I usually don't like to watch YouTube videos practicing ritual, right? Uh, right, right? Yes, talking about it or maybe getting teachings or whatever, yes, but I don't like those. Yours are really the only ones that I can and like to watch when you're practicing ritual because they, oh, yeah. I don't know why, but, uh, but it's really so also a hint to our audience. I think they should give it a try. <laughs> well, I thank you for that. And thank you for sharing that. I, I, I try to be authentic as possible and, and not be, yeah, well, that's probably it. Or, you know. exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's probably it. Before we go talking a little bit more about your book, um, I have two, or at least one dangerous question. <laughs> you yeah, just said a phrase, just a little bit before i don't want to get too new agey you said that phrase and i hooked you on that because i i very much relate to that what you were saying there because to me the what i call new age maybe wrongly but what is a danger to me is that many people practicing the so-called new age um they only see one side or want to see only one side of the world the bright side the light side the the, the, the uh, everything of that and um i wonder if that's what you meant with what you just said uh, be, uh, because i think we have to i don't want to, to to say what i think but uh you see what i mean i mean yes, uh, i absolutely. think we have to embrace the the, the the holistic view onto the world in order to be able to raise our consciousness would you share that opinion or how do you see it Yes, absolutely. And um, I actually did a video on it a few weeks ago called um, uh, It's a Trap, the, uh, the Spirituality Trap. Mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't necessarily just about New Age, but the trappings that we can fall into on any particular spiritual path. And the New Age path, while I can appreciate how it, this gives uh, people an alternative to perhaps the let's say the Judeo-Christian path that they may have been raised with. Mm -hmm. uh, it introduces people to alternative healing and it introduces superficially uh, to alternative healing and crystals and, and things that we would use, you know, as, as a tool uh, in the occult or in, uh, in magic and paganism. Um, but my, my experience and i can only share my experience i i would never you know uh lump everyone into into one into one category but in my experience sure. what i have found uh in the new age uh movement is the the blind faith that i was trying to get away from uh with other people let's for example and and i fell into it myself this is why i can say my experience uh, yeah Back in 2008, uh, Blossom Goodchild, I don't know if you remember this whole thing with this woman mm -hmm. who was channeling the Pleiadians or somebody. Yeah. And she's like, uh, Arizona, uh, this date, and they're going to come down that day. And this is for sure. They've said it. And well, guess what I did that morning? I'm looking up in the sky, looking for the aliens. And the next day I was like, God, I'm an idiot, you know? <laughs> and, and again, and then people were like, oh, well, they changed their mind and they're trying to make excuses for that. And, and it continued with the, the Galactic Federation of Light. It continues with yeah. some of these channelers that while their intentions might be good, 
Uh, anything to me that gives dates. I mean, I, I do readings. I do tarot readings. I do intuitive readings. I, I do channel, uh, channeling sessions for people. Mm -hmm. But I warn them that if I start telling you dates and definites, uh, please don't listen to me because the reality of it is, is that we have free will and we have the ability to alter the course. I am not a fortune teller. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm seeing a lot in the new age world. I, I yeah, see people yeah. say, and this is the way it's going to be. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> and, oh, and we're all going to awaken on 2012. I know 2012 was a big letdown for a lot of people, mm -hmm. both in the conspiracy world and the new age world. Yep. Uh, yep. And that, unfortunately, what that does is it turns people away from the possible uh, positive aspects that could come from yeah, you know, the positive exactly. aspect of new age or the positive aspect of absolutely. critical thinking conspiracy. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Now, let's take that usual little break in the middle of the interview and listen to another track from that new album by Wendy Rule, Persephone. The second title I'm going to play for you today is called Ruby Seed. Here comes Wendy Rule. discovered my name 
Seed by Wendy Rule. And now let's return to Bernard Alvarez and continue to listen to him. We will speak now about activism, the problems of the New Age movement, and many other interesting topics. And at the end of the interview, I will play for you the third and last track I will present to you today from Wendy's album Persephone. And this track is called Harvest. The other slightly difficult question I had, um, when you say the divine, how would you for yourself uh, define the divine? What is the divine to you? Can you do that or is it is, is that um, possible? Uh, well, in the true definition of divine, it would be impossible to define the divine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but for lack of a better term, using uh, simplistic human language and uh, intelligence interpretation, I, 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 I just simply call it one or the source of all things. Um, yeah. For me, even I, I guess it's fair to say I lean more toward the Eastern philosophical concepts of what the divine is, uh, mm -hmm. what God is, what goddess is. Now, uh, I will say, for example, in my book, I say that all gods are one god, all goddesses are one god yeah. goddess. It just depends on uh, how we choose to allow them to uh, define themselves to us or how we perceive them. So what is what's a divine? The divine is the all, the everything. It's the, the mm -hmm. source of all all creation, all thought, all all universes, all timelines, all dimensions. So. Uh, you know, within our measly little three and a half D mentality, it's it's hard to give yeah, it a sure, name. <laughs> sure, sure. No, but I, I like what you said about that. Yes. It, it, I know uh, talking about coincidences now, that was a perfect transition to talking a little bit about the book of one, about your book. But uh, you are just defining uh divinity by that passage from your book and that's exactly the page i had open here on my kindle on my other oh, computer wow. screen here so <laughs> talking about that right speaking of link <laughs> exactly exactly so um yes talk to us a little bit about the book of one i think you just issued a new edition of it so um 
wouldn't you call the, 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 the what, would you call that uh, a book about ch uh, is it channeling or is it, is it automatic writing how what is it well talk to us a bit about the book uh, well that's a great question because it's it's all the above uh and um and actually that's what i i wanted to say about it was that um during the time of my uh, of the shamanic vision quest back in 1992 it was just uh, automatic writing. And it wasn't even automatic writing. Let's say it was compulsory that mm -hmm. these beings were just taking over and making me write down this stuff. It's like, you have to write this down right now, right now. <laughs> and uh, so it was, that's the way it was. And then uh, the second half, well, I won't say the second half, the second uh, part of the project of creating the book was when uh, she writes the forward and did the transcription, Annabelle Montalbano mm -hmm. said, well, you're in touch with these guides still, right? And she's like, yeah. She's like, do you channel them? I'm like, yeah, I used to channel them during our rituals and, and our golden dawn rituals. <laughs> so okay. uh, I, she was like, well, would you be willing to channel them and ask them what they meant? After, of all each passage that they had you write back in 1992. So here in 2008, uh, she had me sit down in front of a tape recorder and just plot myself down in front of a tape recorder and ask them, you know, please tell us what did mm -hmm. you mean by this? Mm -hmm. And that was vocal channeling, or I guess you could call it trance channeling. Um, yeah. But you'll see that even in the book, they acknowledge Bernard does not like this. <laughs> Bernard does <laughs> yeah, not absolutely. like having his body that. taken over. <laughs> yeah. And so over time, uh, I, I kind of, let's say I made a deal with them. I was like, listen, let's do the whole download thing. You know, let's go back to that thing where you're, you're giving me information and I'll write it down. I promise I'll write it down. But I don't like this taking over my body stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened over now, the new pages that are in the book. Uh, I, I get these sudden moments where this has to be this has to be written down. This is important. And not only is it important to write down, but at that moment within the history of humanity, uh, you'll notice some of the the new passages and what I, I would call uh, part three, for lack of a better term. Right. It's kind of current and. Even yeah. though it is timeless in its nature and in its message, uh, you'll you'll catch a little vibe of the current situation on the planet. Sure. So that's kind of what I what I got out of it, and um, so mm -hmm. I wanted to do this new uh, this new edition. This is literally the fourth version of the book. Uh, right. Hopefully, this will be the last if they leave me alone <laughs> with it. But um, yeah, so I have a feeling they won't. But anyway, <laughs> I, I was like, please let me write another book. And I've been kind of asking, I want to do something called the Awakening Code, which incorporates uh, everything that I've learned and uh, everything from meditation, consciousness, shamanism, mm -hmm. activism, occultism. How many volumes are not? Pardon? How many volumes? If you if you write all, done all oh, that you've learned, how many I don't volumes? Know, but <laughs> <laughs> I figured I'd start with let's say I, I'll start with witchcraft for the 21st century and update right. it out of the Middle Ages that a lot of these folks seem to want to hold yeah. on to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. So, but the, the new book is out. Um, it's been out for two months or so. It just came out version. in I believe it was the middle or, or late March. Oh no, I put it out on the um, the spring equinox. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'll put, a, I'll make sure to put the link in the show notes that that people can find it and and, and get a copy of it because I think it's really, really worth it. Um, well, um, 
spiritual activism is a topic, Bernard, that uh, has also brought us together a bit um, here. And uh, I would like to go a bit deeper into now as well, because I think it's also a natural, natural extension of all your experiences so far. And, and also of the book of one somehow, because you just mentioned the last and the new part, the new pages that you added, or they added, maybe better to, mm. to say. <laughs> um, and um, spiritual activism, how, how do spirituality and activism link for you? What brings them together? What would you think uh, is spiritual activism in the 21st century or in 2019? What should it be? Well, for me, I, um, I, I see it as a part of my inner, how should we say spiritual? I, I think of it as spiritual alchemy. Let's put it that way. Okay. Because in the work that I do, especially with the energy work that I do, uh, I, I'm always promoting uh, contacting your higher self, coming into alignment with your higher self. And actually, uh, one of the things I do Uh, promote is Crowley's concept of white magic, the conversation yeah. with your holy guardian angel. Holy guardian angel yeah. Sorry to interrupt you just for one second, but that's exactly what distinguishes your work so much from many other spiritual activists that you actually use that terminology of Golden Dawn, Crowley, uh, witchcraft. You know, you're you're so you're so rooted into that. Very, very, and mm. and. And with that being said, uh, his his uh, idea of, uh, again, that holy guardian angel. Now, don't get me wrong. I couldn't understand 777 for the life of me. But <laughs> I, I really would many of his other readings. <laughs> And I understood what he meant by uh, conversation with your holy guardian angel. Right. But um, and, and for me, that is a form of spiritual alchemy. So. You know, I actually just did a video on, um, you know, do what thou wilt, uh, love yeah. under will. But what is love under will? Love under will is that alignment with your your thou. Mm -hmm. And when you're in alignment with your thou and you're following and being honest and authentic with your higher self, holy guardian angel, whatever you wish to how you wish to call it or define it. When you're when you are in communication with that. You're going to feel that intuition. You're going to feel that inspiration. And if we are honest with that inspiration, if we are honest with our intuition and take action on it, you're going to feel empathy. You're going to feel compassion. You're going to be driven to not see uh, the weakest of us uh, made to suffer for no reason. Yeah. Uh, you're going to want to see human rights. You're going to want to see saving, you know, uh, the planet, I hate to use that lingo, but uh, Mother Earth, for goodness sake, the yeah, life yeah. itself on the planet. Yeah. And I've always been driven to that, but I never really understood why. And it again, the more I had connected with my, I'll, I'll just say a higher self, the more I connect with my higher self and the more honest I am with that, the more I can be honest with the world around me and say, no, That is not good. This I, mm. I will not support this. Yeah. Uh, I will not live in cognitive dissonance, which we seem to be having a lot of on the planet these days where we know something is wrong. But because everyone says it's right, we're going to go ahead and say that it's okay or we'll ignore it. Uh, again, you talked about the New Age uh, movement. Uh, there seems to be that issue of, oh, 
don't focus on that. It's negative. You're going to bring negativity yeah. into your life. <laughs> yeah, well, it's already exactly. there. Yeah, Being yeah, in yeah. denial is not going to make it go away. Right. Uh, we can do all the positive mantras and, and channelings and all we want and wishing for a better world and everyone's going to awaken next year, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> but the reality of it is we see war. We see destruction. We're, we're seeing, you know, the oceans being destroyed. We're, we're seeing uh, people of color, people, LGBT people, whatever you want to call it, those are, hmm. that have been disenfranchised. Uh, yeah. being locked in cages for goodness yeah. sake yeah and yeah. and for me that is just uh not appropriate for my own spirituality uh, yeah. i say that there comes a point one of the memes that i'm known for that people keep passing around is you know there comes a point in our spiritual path where once we are in alignment with our spiritual nature our our, our social uh, responsibility seems to become a part of our spiritual path. Yeah. And taking responsibility not only yeah. for my consciousness or for my spiritual development, but for the the raising up of the world around me, whether it be my home, my neighborhood, my my community, my world. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I hear you on that because I'm, you know, I'm a, have been a Freemason for 26 years now already, right? And there is always that dispute within masonry going on between, say, more esoteric uh, masonry on one side and the more humanist, uh, so to call it like that, on the other side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't see where the point of that dispute should be. It's exactly as you say, when I am a spiritual, esoteric, or call, call it what you want, uh, person and develop that on my end, that's what helps me to be a bit, uh, also the, the, the humanist I want to be and, and the activist I want to be. So I... I don't know why, not only in masonry, but you just said it yourself, why sometimes you get the feeling, even on the political level, without wanting to talk too much about politics, but um, that this, there seems like to be like a separation between spirituality and being active on making the world better. Do you, do you also see that or is that an impression that I have and might be wrong? No, you're absolutely correct. Uh, it seems that it's very, very interesting. Actually, today I had a, uh, a discussion on a, a very civil discussion on Facebook, which you don't see very often. But <laughs> <laughs> a very civil discussion with uh, someone who uh, he, he uh, said the reality of it is, is that he we were talking about uh, fascism in America. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you know, America's been fascist for decades. They started off as fascists. I mean, they were just rich white men that wanted to keep mm -hmm. their money. Mm -hmm. uh, no offense. They were all Freemasons. But uh, <laughs> no, no, you're, you're right. They yeah, wanted to di yeah. distance themselves from England yeah. because they yeah. wanted to have the freedom to keep their money. That's what it all came down to. And it was done on the backs of what they called them, the savages, the Native American. Yeah. And on the backs of the people they stole from Africa and forced into labor. Yeah. And I, so, it, but it, it, and it goes on throughout the history of America. So we were talking about fascism in America. And I love that he said, he goes, well, I'm a political scientist. You're more of a theologian. And I was like, <laughs> well... The thing is, is that I'm an activist, but I'm also a spiritualist. So I, I'm both. I can be both. It's just a matter of being honest with myself. And yeah. the one thing I will say, though, that's that's different within 
uh, what do we call it, spiritual activism. I've been coining, I've been switching over to the word sacred activism because apparently that's been being yeah, used probably for a better while. Word. You're been right. Using yes. that for a while. Yeah. 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 And um, the difference is with sacred activism, and not to sound cliche, is that s- sacred activism to me is about issues, yeah. whereas political activism is about people. Uh, Mm -hmm. For example, when Donald Trump came here to Roanoke, Virginia, uh, all the activists within the region wanted to go protest Donald Trump. And I said, they're like, you're going to come. You're going to come. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go protest a person. Mm -hmm. You know, if you stand outside and say we don't agree with Trump's racist rhetoric or we don't agree with his trans ban of the army, then, yeah, I will go stand with you on the issue. But mm-hmm. if I'm going to protest a human being, yeah, uh, to me, yeah. that, that's the difference. Uh, tell me what we're for, not what we're mm-hmm. against. What do we uh-huh. want? We want freedom for trans people. Yeah. We want freedom for uh, these poor kids in cages. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to go against a human being. He's not the issue. It's the people that follow him that are yeah, the issue. Yeah, there you are. There you are. There you are. There you are. Uh, I mean, th- that's a tiny person. But we had that that uh, uh, far right uh, politician here in Austria who yep. uh, got killed in, in a car accident about eight or nine years ago, and he was the big devil for everyone here, rightly so, probably. And when he got killed in that car accident, everybody seemed to say, "Oh, thank God, now it's all over." And of course not. Yep. <laughs> it's not the person, as you as you say. It, it, yeah, but I see, and and you're absolutely right. We should call it sacred activism. I I, I didn't make the difference properly, but um, so um, how how would you how do you go? Not would you do you go for it? What give us two or three examples how how you live your day to day sacred activism? Uh, how that how that shows. For me, it starts with um, behavior. Well, actually with thought. It starts with thought. And and it took me a while to develop it, but let's say it starts with mindfulness. Being mindful yeah. of what you expose your senses to. That's number one. Or am I allowing garbage into my brain? What am I feeding my subconscious with? Mm. Uh, then it goes on to what am I putting in my body? Am I supporting people who are destroying the planet? Am I supporting people that are uh, funding the kids in the cages? You know, where's my money going? Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, mm-hmm. where, how am I supporting uh, or not supporting? Uh, from the person, it goes on to, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, from being vigilant from the senses, it goes on to my day-to-day life. Uh, am I being honest with what my heart is telling me? Am I being mm-hmm. authentic, authenticity, Uh, is key. It is absolute mm. key. Mm. If we don't move out of that state of cognitive dissonance and call fascism fascism or a concentration camp a concentration camp or a hateful religious uh, dogma, mm. uh, we're not being we're living in cognitive dissonance. So being authentic for me is very a very much a part of sacred activism. And then. Uh, doing everything we can to support the issues that we are drawn to. Now, that's not to say that we have to take care of the entire planet. Uh, Right now, my focus, and and of course, it'll fluctuate. You know, here in the United States, it's the uh, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riot. Uh, Mm -hmm. I consider myself a pacifist, but 
I'm very grateful that drag queens threw beer bottles at the police in New York City. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be promoting that, and actually, I'll be um, uh, I'll be the MC at the celebration here uh, after this broadcast. Actually, oh, great. But um, so it depends, and what what am I drawn to at the moment? Um, a few years ago, it was chemtrails. A few years after that, it was GMOs. Uh, a few years after that. It was a uh, uh, racial intolerance or religious intolerance. Yeah. So it depends on what we're darn to aligning ourselves with the, the people that are a part of that issue and doing what you can uh, to a educate people on that particular issue. I, I feel that a lot of people think that activism is only going out and protesting. Uh, it, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Activism yeah, exactly. is a lot of it has to do with educating people. A lot of it mm. has to do with community organizing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it has to do with developing new ways and approaches to old problems. Uh, I always say, you know, protesting is just uh, wagging our finger at the politician. Whereas for me, like a rally is, you know, getting people excited about a particular issue like, hey, let's uh, start. Let's build a wind farm here in Roanoke, you know, or let's, uh, yeah, yeah. let's cut the cost of, um, you know, uh, fruits and vegetables for poor people. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so yeah. having a rally is, is different than a protest. But, yeah, sure. will I march? I'll march in a march if it's uh, something I believe in, you know, to support so I mean, I march in the women's march here every year. And yeah, yeah, I'm happy to do it. You know, that's an idea. That's an idea, and not a person that you're marching right, against. Exactly, far, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, but um, uh, isn't all of that what you then also call yourself raising consciousness in the end? Isn't it? Absolutely, and and I would say that's probably the method I feel most comfortable with. You know the. Yeah. Uh, what I had, what I've come down to realize over the years, uh, yeah, I was a chemtrail activist, GMO activist, a fluoride activist, um, uh, government corruption activist. Mm. Uh, you know, all all these different types of issues were very, very important to me. Right. And then I realized that the only reason why many of these issues are happening on our planet is because people aren't aware, and. Mm. You know, being a part of the, let's say, the mid 2000s, I don't know if you want to call it the truth movement or the conspiracy mm. world mm. or whatnot. I realized the greatest conspiracy is the suppression of our consciousness yeah. and all that is being hidden from us, all that is being programmed into us to believe uh, through the media, through schools, uh, through religion. And so we're not we are, we are never given the opportunity to truly embrace the world as we experience it uh, from birth. We're told how to experience it. Yeah. So for me, it, it was all about, okay, for let's let me and my team at the time, let's raise consciousness. That's what we're going to focus mm -hmm. on. Let's raise consciousness of what we have, uh, our potential as human beings. But how much of, of this problem uh, of not being aware of not being able to be aware is also the individuals i don't want to say fault maybe you have a better word for it but the individual's um responsibility let's put it that way um how much of it is your own responsibility and how much can you blame on those who don't tell you 
Well, then that's a very good uh, conundrum I've had to ponder over the years. But I will say mm. this. We cannot blame the ignorant. But I will say once someone knows, then we're moving into cognitive dissonance and it's just denial. Yeah. And at that point, it becomes their responsibility. But, you know, once you know that you put your hand on the stove, it burns you. Now you know, but if yeah. you do it again, that's your fault. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what, 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 what strikes me, we seem to live in a society, at least in the Western world, where we have access to so much information like never before. True. Uh, and even so, there seems to be so much ignorance around or lack of awareness, let's put it in a more positive way, uh, than ever before. So um, I'm not I'm not I'm, I'm just trying to 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 a little bit tickle you, you know, to, to, to have you say something about it. I I I I I, I think I know where we are going. But um, but why is that? Well, in, again, in my observation and my experience from what I've seen, and I can go back again to 9-11, uh, mm -hmm. society yeah. uh, as, as our global society, whether it was 9-11 or whether it was some other trauma, we've mm -hmm. been traumatized. And in yeah. shamanism, we believe that when there is a severe trauma like that, uh, we lose a piece of our soul. And that's right. what we do with the work called shamanic soul retrieval. When we are fractured like that and when we are that hurt, and again, mm -hmm. it doesn't just need to be 9-11, it could be, you know, the drought in India, it could be World War II, whatever it was yeah. that affected your psyche to make you insecure, distrustful, and broken. I mean, mm -hmm. that it, it's broken. Mm -hmm. uh, what that does is it forces us to create and I'll quote Roger Waters, create the wall. <laughs> we build the wall and we are safe <laughs> behind the wall. Yeah. And we will do everything we can to defend that wall. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, do not yeah, want right. to tear down that wall because we have been so broken by right. what we've experienced. So, yeah, uh, yeah. for example, um, I went to and 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 this is not to knock the what, what's the uh, Episcopalians. I went to an Episcopalian mass right. and they're very liberal. You know, they're like, oh, yeah. all yeah. the, you know, the LGBT people and, you know, everybody has rights and this and that. And my first mass I went to, they said that. And Jesus said, if you are divorced, you're going to hell. I'm like, really? Really? <laughs> you're like, oh, welcome all the LGBT. But if you're divorced, you're going to hell. I'm like, yeah. And people still keep going back. So uh. to me, it's like, you know better. Uh, I, A, I would have fired that person. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what they call them, the person who talks. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. the priest, but the person who yeah. gives that yeah. I would have fired yeah. them immediately. Yeah. But if you're going to keep going back to listen to that, you know better. Yeah. And, yeah. But the reason yeah. why they keep going back is because they're scared. They keep yeah. going back because their family goes. And that's, you know, their friends go, their community goes. And... That is what feels safe to them. And yeah. they don't want to let go of that safety, no matter yeah. what garbage is being put into their right. and their right. Alert. right. I mean, that's and, and what you're just were saying, that's your secret. That's why you are just Bernard, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're not a fortune teller, but do you have a feeling? Are we are we still at the beginning of that? of that traumatic experience or are we in the midst of it or are we already getting out of it? What, what's your what's your personal feeling about the situation of the world in general? Well, I, I feel that and I really do 
I do believe in free will, but I also believe in karma and I do mm. believe in global karma. And mm. just like um, a boomerang, what you send out is going to come back. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I feel that we are in the midst of the, the worst, but it's still going to get worse. I don't think it's going to get better yet, but mm. I do feel that it's because of this um this point of drowning in insecurity of fear of whatnot uh that people are going to say enough uh, i don't yeah. want to be in fear anymore i don't want to be in insecurity anymore so if we look at it in that way yeah maybe it is destiny that we have to be suffocated to the point where we're like okay get off of me i need to breathe again uh, mm-hmm. But I think and, and, you know, like you said, we're seeing the fascist movement grow in Europe. We're seeing it grow in the United States. We're seeing it grow in Canada and mm-hmm. South America. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't have to go through another World War Two type situation with, right. uh, you know, genocide of, of the indigenous people again. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. uh, I do feel that uh, hopefully there will be a rebound effect of people saying, you know what? I'm tired. Uh, like an alcoholic or drug addict, as they say in recovery, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and they're going to seek recovery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Um, well, bearing in mind, Bernard, that this is going to air in about three weeks from now, so are there any things that are coming up, maybe in the near or not so near future, that you would like to announce to us or say what we should look out for on your end? Maybe I don't know uh, a new show, new books, or whatever you would like to to, to say. Actually. Um No new shows or no new books that I know of. We'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> I, I will. I, I would like to say and, and mention as well that uh, I'm going to be a, a featured speaker, and I am going to be unveiling the workshop that goes with the book. Uh, I've been working on it for a couple years now, and uh, I decided I've been asked to be a part of this. Um, This uh, I forgot what the word the word they're using. A visionary conference at sea. <laughs> okay. Wow, sounds good. <laughs> uh, so there's going to be like 30 different speakers from around the world uh, coming, and uh, we're going to be on the uh, Royal Caribbean Harmony of the Seas, going down to the Virgin Islands for the fall equinox. Ah, so that right. should be very interesting. But Definitely. I will be unveiling the uh, the workshop uh, that co- that goes with the book on that, and uh, I do believe there are still. Uh, tickets available and cabins available if anyone is interested we're leaving uh, out of uh, uh, Orlando on September 14th or 15th I believe and it's a a 10 day or 8 day cruise or something like that but it's it's going to be a lot of fun and not only that I love the fact uh, I'm also going to be doing one on one sessions with people there Uh, not only am I doing the workshop for the entire conference but Uh, for my people that went there specifically to see me, uh, we'll mm-hmm. be doing some magical work on the beaches and, and stuff like that. Uh, so I, I'm really going to enjoy that. And I've never been on a cruise, so this should be very oh, Sounds like a lot of fun. And yeah, I'll have a look if I find it on the website somewhere and I'll, I'll post the link as well on the show notes. Um, 
Well, um, and I also would like to say, um, we have been talking, you and I, Bernard, about doing uh, in the near future, maybe in September or October, we'll yeah. see uh, a round table on sacred activism with a few other people. We would like to discuss this. And I'm glad you've accepted to, to be on that. This will be completely new for Thos Hermes podcast listeners, because it will be a new thing to do roundtables on topics of that kind. So watch out for that, everybody. And hopefully you'll be with us at that point. Bernard, um, it was a really great pleasure. You know, what I really want to say is that uh, it always happens when I read your posts or, or when I watch your videos, but of course, in the personal experience on having an hour together with you and speaking, um, you get so much positive feeling out of, of what you're saying and how you are. I mean, just the way you are. And it's, it's just, I think it's the, the interview on Thought Permits I have been able to smile and laugh the most. And I think that's a very good sign. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> and, but and always in-depth knowledge and very deep thought. And that combination is unbeatable. And thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for having me today, Rudolph. It's been a great uh, pleasure. It was great. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye now, Bernard. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. Kiss the land 
of barley and of corn But on the earth in beauty wondrous to behold And gold The Harvest Harvest by Wendy Rule was played at the end of that wonderful interview with Bernard Alvarez. I don't think, honestly, there has been an interview so far on Thothermis when me as a host, I have been at the same time laughing so much and had a serious and wonderfully deep conversation. When I hung up with Bernard, I really just felt happy and had passed a great hour in his company. I hope you made the same experience when listening to this episode. This is now the end of episode four of our third season on the Thought Hermes podcast. Thanks for listening. As I had said earlier, the next show that will appear should be our first Ex Libris episode. Its content has already been briefly announced on Facebook and Twitter, and you should also be able to retrieve that on the Thoth Hermes website now. The next regular episodes, number five, which should normally come out in two weeks from now, will feature an interview with Thomas Hatzis about his research on psychedelics and its history, which culminated lately in Thomas' new book, Psychedelic Mystery Traditions. A very interesting topic and a very interesting guy to talk to. And in episode six, you will hear me talk to Shani Oates. She has become one of the most interesting figures for those interested in the Western tradition. We are discussing her latest book, The Hanging God, but also more broadly about her work related to occultism and witchcraft. So lots of things to come and to listen to on Thoth Hermes. But for today, I would just like to thank you again that you have been with me and I'm looking forward to have you on our waves again next time. Thanks for listening. Take care. Stay tuned. Hear you soon.